about who he was and what he had come to do. He talked about the fact that he had been sent from heaven, that he and the Father were one. In John 14, 6, he made a definitive statement about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when we look at Jesus, we see one who has fulfilled prophecies related to a coming Savior, to a coming Messiah. Now, there have been people all through history that have made bold claims, kings, dictators, monarchs, athletes, actresses, actors, politicians, all make bold claims, but nobody has ever made such a bold claim as to say, I am the one that the world has been looking for. I am the one that came to solve the sin problem that has existed since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. I am the one who has the key to death and hell and the grave. I am the resurrection and the life. The statements of Jesus from his lips that have carried for the last 2,000 years are either the marks of a liar or a lunatic or he is exactly who he said he is. He's the one who came to make all things right, to forgive sin, to give you victory in a life of defeat, to offer you hope in a life filled with despair, to cover your sin which you cannot fix on your own. These are incredibly scandalous claims if they are not true. They are scandalous to the politically correct mind. They are controversial in a culture that says all roads lead to God and everybody's going to end up in heaven. But here's what Jesus said. He said, I am God in flesh. He said he was one with the Father. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen God the Father. He said that he could forgive sin. He said that he could do what no other man said he could do. He promised that he was the Messiah. Now, others have claimed before him and sent him to be the Messiah, but none have done what he has done. The exclusivity of the claims of Christ to be the Messiah, when he says no one can come to the Father except to me, that can also be translated in the Greek ex except exclusively through me. There is no other way. There is no other key. There is no other door by which you and I can be saved and forgiven of our sins. Now, a few months ago in another series, I shared these statistics, but I think they're important enough to share them briefly this morning. There are 60 major messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. Some relate to his first coming, some to his second coming. There are 270 ramifications that apply in some way to a Messiah, one person at one time in one place. Jesus fulfilled those. Now let's just talk about the science of probability. The probability of one man fulfilling 48 of those 60 major prophecies, just one man at one time, 
fulfilling those in the science of probability is a chance of one with 157 zeros after it. This is not a 1 in 10, 1 in 20, 1 in 30 chance. To fulfill 48 of them is a 1 in 157 zeros. Nobody else can make that claim. Find any other religious leader on the map that can claim something and find the probability that prophecies and promises made over 400 years before he was even born that he fulfilled. The prophecy was that he would be born of a virgin, that his own people would reject him. There was a prophecy that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver that he would come while the temple was standing, which means that in and of itself, since 70 AD, there is no one who could fulfill the prophecy of Messiah. Because the prophecy says that when Jesus comes, when Messiah comes, that the temple will still be standing. The temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. So either he is, or it's not going to happen. Oh, it will. There will be a false prophet and a false Messiah sent by Satan and the Antichrist that will deceive many. But notice they will deceive many. One man, one place, all God, all man, he's either crazy or he's Lord. He is either who he says he is or he is nothing but a man that should have been locked away with the key thrown away. Now, we, we have bought a lie in our culture because we've taken away right and wrong and, and clear black and white issues. We bought a lie in our culture that all truth is truth and all religions lead to the same place, but all religions are not equally true. There's no way they can be. All roads do not lead to God. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. I am by nature directionally dysfunctional, which my wife says means if you think you're going in the right direction, turn around. <laughs> we'll be driving down the road sometimes and she'll say, which way are we going? And I try to look over at the little compass on the nav before I answer, but sometimes I'll say, we're going to east. She said, we're going north. <laughs> I said, well, it's close to east. You know, we have nav systems when we're trying to get somewhere where we don't know how to get there. Jesus Christ is the navigation system from heaven. If you want to know how to get to heaven, you better plug him into your life because he's the only one that can get you there. He's the only one that can make that road clear for you. Now look at this fact. He is either God in flesh or he's a liar. For three years, he walked the dusty roads of Israel. He taught, he preached. He healed, he raised the dead, he performed miracles. Pilate could find no fault in him. The religious leaders of the day hated him because in reality, if Jesus was the Messiah, the sacrificial system and all the machinery of the Jewish religion would no longer be needed. They wouldn't need the sacrifices. They wouldn't need to do the offerings. Why? Because the sacrifices and the offerings had been fulfilled in one person. So if you want to understand what was happening and why the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated Jesus, it's very simple. When he came, if they believed in him, 
They were out of a job. So it was about money. And it was about power. And they did not want their money threatened. And they did not want their power threatened. And so they turned against him. And so here we have Jesus. For 2,000 years, he's the line in the sand. For 2,000 years, he's the measuring stick. Now, it, it may offend you or it may offend a lot of people that Jesus would say, I'm the only way. It may offend you that there's just one way to God. What, what you need to be reminded of is that God didn't have to provide any way. He could have left us dead in our sin. He, he didn't have to provide salvation. He didn't have to provide any way for us to be saved. He would have been just and justified if he had said, you've rejected me, you've rebelled against me, you've turned against me, you are children of Adam, and you are children of Eve, and you can all spend eternity in hell, and he would have been just in doing it. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God has provided a way. Jesus says, I'm the way. That kind of takes out the guesswork, doesn't it? See, religions and cults make claims that a logical thinking person knows cannot be true. They cannot be true. Let me just give you some. You can do good works and get to God. How many? Nobody ever says how many. How many good works can I do and get to God? Is it 1,000? Is it 5,000? What if I die at 4,999? You can't do enough good works to get to God. There's none righteous. No, not one, says the Bible. None of us are good. We can do good works, but that doesn't get us to God. Here's another one. I can be morally decent and get to God. You know, that's a decent person. They, they hold the door open for widows, and, and they're, they're nice, and they're decent, and, and they're kind. How decent do you have to be? What if you're decent in every area but one in your life? How decent do you have to be? And can you get to God if you're a decent person, if you never acknowledge your need for God in this life? Well... Let's think of another one. You can go to church and observe rituals and get to God. A church has never saved anyone. No church can save you. We are saved by a person. We go to church to worship that person, but you can go to church until every seat in here knows your name and your imprint. But that doesn't save you. Well, you can keep the rituals. That doesn't save you. That's back to good works. How about this one? You can be sincere and get to God. Well, how sincere do you have to be? You ever met people who appeared to be sincere and then they weren't sincere? It, well, if I just appear sincere. Well, how sincere do you have to be? You have to try really hard and then hope that some light bulb goes off that says, oh, they're sincere, they get to heaven. You see, if we were to buy all of those ways of thinking, 
we would be frustrated all in counseling and taking medication because there's no way you can know and have peace and hope and joy if you and I are always trying to figure out how do we get there. So God said, I'm going to take the guesswork out. It's going to be through my son. The Bible says that man is fallen and lost and depraved and he's lost his way. And Jesus has provided a way. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, it's wide, it's broad, and many are destroyed. Or it's small, it's narrow, and it leads to life, and few find it. So keeping rules is not going to save us. Jesus uses this picture of two roads. One is narrow and one is broad. Let's just simplify it. The narrow road leads to heaven. The broad road leads to hell. Now I know that there's been discussion in recent days about whether or not there is a hell. I want to tell you why there is a hell, because God said there is a hell. Jesus said there is a hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he did about anything else. When you talk about who talked about hell, go look at how many times Jesus told stories about people in hell. Why? Because it was real. Why? Because he came to keep people out of hell. We, we don't just die and then poof, we disappear. It's not like you go and poof, you're annihilated and then you just don't exist anymore. Now, regardless of what heads of some churches say, they should read their Bible because the Bible sheds a whole lot of light on heaven and hell. And every one of us in this room, one day we're going to die. We're going to stop breathing. They're going to pronounce us dead. They're going to call the funeral home, and we're going to be gone from this life. And at the moment of death, we are either going to be in heaven or in hell for all eternity. There's no going back and forth. You don't pass go and collect $200. Your destiny is sealed in what you and I do in this life with Jesus Christ. It's broad because so many people can't imagine that it's narrow. That God would have only one way. Well, when you're God, you decide what the way is. Everyone at some point is at a crossroads. It's inevitable that we cannot stand still on this, nor can we go in two different directions at the same time. So either Jesus is who he said he is, or he's a liar. Either Jesus is the only way, or he's a lunatic. Every road will not take us where we want to go. There are certain roads that are never going to get you to where you want to go. You can get on the road and start today and say, you know, I think I want to go to Dallas. If you head south, you're not going to get there. You can be as sincere. You can look over at your family and say, we are making incredible time. We should just go on and go to Disney. There's so little traffic. You can make incredible time, but you're going in the wrong direction. You've got to be on the right road going in the right direction to hit the right destination. 
And so Jesus has told us that there's this one-way road, Deuteronomy 30. Moses said, see, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. Therefore, choose life. Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. Jesus is the way. There is no other way. Jesus is the truth, the ultimate reality. Now, when the Jews talked about truth, they talked about that which was stable or faithful or trustworthy. So when Jesus says, I'm the truth, he says, I can bring stability. I can bring consistency to your life. I am trustworthy. You can take your life and your future to the bank through me. I'm the way to get to God. Jesus is revealed in the written word, and he is the living word. First chapter of John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Let me tell you, I started to tell you this morning earlier that I was only going to preach a five-minute sermon today and then remind you it was April Fool's. But uh, <clears throat> I could give you my testimony in less than that. I was raised in a church. My mom and dad made sure I went to church every day. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night. I went to all the boys' activities. I tried to get into the girls' activities. I mean, I did everything. But I did not know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And one day on a beach in Panama City, I realized that I had religion, that I had been baptized, that I was a faithful attender of the church, but I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And on that day in Panama City, God changed my life, and I passed from death unto life. I found Jesus not only as something I knew about, but someone I knew. I went from knowing him in my head to knowing him in my heart. I was not fooled. I was not tricked. I was not coerced. I was not intimidated or manipulated. It was an act of my will responding to the truth of God that what he said was true and that I had been living a lie that I could live one way on Sunday and another way during the rest of the week. And God changed my life. He is faithful to his followers. Jesus is speaking in John 14 on the last night before the cross. His disciples are confused and perplexed. He's told them that he's going to leave. He's told them that uh, Peter, that he's going to deny him. Judas is going to betray him. And they're troubled. They're upset. They're uptight. They've been with him for three years. Here's what I would say to you. If you're troubled, if you're upset, if you're uptight, if you're stressed, if you're walking around with baggage and with guilt, I've got good news. Jesus can take that. He wants to take it. He wants to take your shame and your suffering and your sorrow and your pain, and he wants to give you his life. This verse that we read earlier is a response to the question of Thomas, how do we know the way? And Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of all the promises and of all the prophecies of Scripture. You're looking at the fulfillment of that. Now, here's what you and I need to understand. You don't go to heaven to find Christ. You go to Christ to find heaven. You don't go to heaven to find Christ. You go to Christ to find heaven. 
Jesus did not say, I'll show you the way, I'll teach you the way, I'll give you a map to the way. He said, I am the way. Now this is important in light of most major religions of the world. Remember, Jesus said, I am the definite article. I am the way, the definite article truth, the definite article life. Buddha said he was the way shower. Well, somewhere along the way he got lost. Muhammad said he was a teacher of truth. Now, if you're going to follow somebody, make sure you're following the truth, not a teacher of truth as they understand it. Buddha said, I'm a way shower. It just kind of point, send people that way. Jesus said, you come with me, I'm the way. The Mormons believe that there's additional revelation and another testament about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm it, end of discussion. You have to decide. He is it, no other options. Heaven or hell, life and death, good and bad, sin and forgiveness, all weighed in the balance of I am the way, the truth, and the life. 1 John 5, 11. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift of a person. Not a plan, not a program. It's a gift of a person, the person of Jesus Christ. It's a gift of grace. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. You can't deserve it. You, you can't work your way there. It's all of God's grace. You say, well, you, you don't know how bad I am. God does. Well, you don't know what I've done. God does. And it's a gift of grace. Grace God's unmerited favor. You can do an acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. The free grace of God provided by the death of Christ on a cross. And it is through faith. Paul writing the Ephesians says it's by grace through faith that you and I are saved. It is not by grace and then you work and hope the grace and works work together. It is by grace, through faith. I put my faith. Listen, I have put 10 trillion years of eternity on the table that Jesus is who he said he is. If I'm wrong, then I will spend eternity in a place called hell. If he is right and I've trusted him, I will spend eternity in a place called heaven. And it's heaven because Jesus is there. And you know what's going on right now? All around this world, people are praying for people to come to know Christ. In this church are people praying for people to come to know Christ. We have prayed over some men gathered earlier today. We've prayed over every seat in this room. The seat that you're sitting in has been prayed over that God would speak to your heart today. That in this hour, at this time, that if you know Christ, you would fall in love with him all over again. But if you don't know Christ, that you would come to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. One of the people that I love to read is 
one of the most astonishing intellects uh, to ever walk in the 20th century. Very few people know that he died the same day that John Kennedy was killed. But C.S. Lewis was an atheist who became an agnostic and finally became a believer. C.S. Lewis was a great writer on the Christian faith. The video that you saw earlier is taken from something he said, but I want you to see this slide, and I want us to just read through it here for a minute. Here's the trilemma, lunatic, liar, or Lord. People cannot logically say that Jesus was just a good man. Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. Good men do not claim to be God. Jesus could have been, as we might consider anyone making claims of divinity, a raving lunatic. He could have been the world's greatest con man, a liar. Or he could have been who he claimed to be, Lord. I would submit to you today on the authority of Scripture and on the authority of the testimony of billions of people around the world that Christ is who he said he is. He is Lord. He's risen from the dead, and he is Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to that Christ who loves you, who gave his life for you, who willingly wants you to know him in a personal way, who can be the one who takes away all the stuff that bogs you down from the minute you walk out of this room and say, I've got it. I've got you covered. I've got your back. You know, since Billy Graham died, 10,000 people have called the BGEA and prayed to receive Christ just by seeing the funeral of a godly man. Now that says that somehow Billy Graham was speaking truth because even in his death, when he couldn't speak anymore, people are calling to find out how to be saved. How could we reject a God who loves us so much, who gave us so much, and gave us so many opportunities to know him and to love him? How could any of us reject and say, I'm not interested in that kind of unconditional love? I'm not interested in that kind of grace and mercy and forgiveness. I just want to do life on my own terms. You don't have to. So I want to ask you to stand. And we're going to sing a familiar song. And as we stand, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and to trust Christ. You may need to come today and say, I need to be baptized. I need to do what Grace did earlier in the service today. You may need to come and say to one of these men, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to settle that I know, that I know, that I know that I have a relationship with Christ. As they sing, you step out and you come right now.